Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Lars Hedenborg with Remax in Charlotte, North Carolina. Last year, he closed 312 transactions with a total sales volume of $72 million. His average sales price was $230,000, of which 60% were buyers and 40% were sellers. He has a 15-member team, five buyer agents, two listing agents, two inside sales agents, one operations manager, one buyer client care coordinator, one listing client care coordinator, one executive services manager, one listing coordinator, and one team leader. Lars Hedenborg is the team leader of the Lars Group. He's been an agent for seven years and sold over 1,200 homes in his short career. In this call, Lars talks about his fast start in real estate by focusing on buyers, a script for turning buyer leads into appointments, a simple method for gaining buyer loyalty at the first meeting, how he built a seven-figure, seventh-level business that runs without his daily involvement, the four technologies he uses to systematize his business, the five marketing pillars that generate all his leads, his raving fans club and 60-touch marketing program responsible for 120 closings last year, how he multiplied his buyer calls from yard signs by 250%, why his team agents average over 100K in take-home pay, why the team maintains a healthy profit margin, team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Lars. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate being here. Hey, Lars, it's great to have you here. Lars, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Okay, great. Thanks again for having me on. So I've been in real estate, I guess it's been, this is my seventh full year. So 2014 would be my seventh full year. Before real estate, now I'm 41 years old, so I had an engineering undergrad, worked a little bit as an engineer, worked couple of years for a Wall Street firm that's no longer around as an analyst. So kind of had that financial background, crunching numbers and, and, and whatnot. And I think that benefited me when I got into real estate for certain things. But most of my career right leading up to, to, uh, to real estate was I was in, involved with acquisitions and strategy for an aerospace company. So not a typical background for someone getting into real estate, but I was lucky enough to travel around the world and see lots of different businesses. I probably visited over 200 different companies over a seven-year time span. I think it was over 30 countries that I went to. So I think that that was a big part of when I was able to, to break into real estate and see that you know there were lots of things going on in real estate that 
uh, just didn't seem like the most efficient way to go about acquiring new business and servicing that business and doing it in a way where you could really build something different and, and uh, you know, not to put down uh, sort of traditional real estate agents, but my approach and my mindset coming into it was very much uh, non-traditional. So I, th- I think that really helped me as far as what I was able to achieve and kind of get over those few hundred transactions and, and take myself out of the business. So Lars, you have a really interesting background. You said you analyzed businesses, you analyzed over 200 businesses in 30 countries. With all that, that knowledge and experience, why did you choose to get into real estate and become a real estate agent? Yeah, and it's it's funny, you know, when I was in the midst of making the decision, you sort of, you know, looking to friends and, and people that I knew and sort of telling them what I had in mind, I did get a lot of like, what are you thinking type type comments or looks or like, you're, you're crazy kind of thing. Because, you know, truth truth be told, I mean, agents, most of the time it's, it's, it's a bad rap, but, you know, the public has a tough time wrapping their head around, you know, the value that a real estate agent brings. And usually that's a not good real estate agent. So they've had a bad experience and that's true of any industries. But for me, the decision was mostly based on, um, I saw an industry that the people that the, 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 the people that were getting into the industry, low barrier to entry, they didn't uh, all necessarily have the same skill set that I had. You know, I was a real estate investor just before, so I worked a corporate job, but I was investing in real estate. And so I already, I had this interest in real estate. Uh, That was sort of the number one thing that got me into it. But then I saw the opportunity to do something different. You know, seven years ago, not everybody was building a team like the focus is is now. Um, And the margins in real estate in in Charlotte, you know, our average commission check is about $7,500, $7,500. So you know, if you could sell enough homes, if I, I knew if I could sell enough of those things and cash enough of those checks uh, and serve enough clients, uh, that there's some good margin there. And you could build a business that didn't require me doing all the transactions. In the early days, it was it was me and only me doing uh, all the business. Um, but that's that's really where I saw the opportunity was in my corporate job, it was all travel. And if I wanted to succeed, I would have to put, you know move my family to a different uh, different country even. Um, my, my sort of mentor, he's actually the chairman of this, this public company now. So I was in a really great position to kind of just, um, work with this guy and kind of get to the top of that corporate environment. And I, and I knew it at the time. Um, but I, I wasn't willing to sacrifice the way that he did to, uh, to get to the top. I mean, he moved his family 12 times in 15 years. Um, last time I talked to him and he still travels pretty much every Sunday evening to Friday evening. Um, it's just not worth it. You know, he's in his sixties now and, um, I just saw a, a better way to achieve financial freedom in, in the market that, that was, uh, and still provides, um, very attractive margins. Lars, when you got started, did you have a fast start or a slow start? I left my corporate job in, uh, April, 2007. And, um, by the end of my first full year, so more than 12 months, but by the end of 2008, I sold, I think it was 75 properties. So, um, I would say that's a pretty quick start. I mean, I was nominated rookie of the year in my market. Um, you know, that, that first year, the part year, uh, coming out, you know, April, 
um, with no experience. I had no sales experience before I got into real estate and I sold 27 properties, close 27 properties that first part year, those first eight months or so. And then I sold 45 that next year. Um, so, you know, it's a pretty quick start. I mean, I really focused on, um, I, I knew, I don't know why I, I, I knew this and I really held it near and dear to my heart, but I knew that for the most part, the consumers, uh, the public didn't really want a real estate agent. I focused on buyers to start and I knew that they just wanted access to a list of homes or they just wanted to see homes or good deals. At that time, the market was a little squirrely. Uh, so the focus for me was like, if I could just provide these people with lists of good homes um, and make them something, you know, such a, um, a tantalizing offer that they would definitely give me their contact information and I can definitely call them, convince them that a face-to-face meeting made sense. And that's what I did for the first 18 to 24 months is I would run, you know, these very, um, the technology back then, even though it sounds like it's not that long ago, the IDX platform the buyer lead gen platforms that exist today. There are dozens and dozens of them today. Uh, back then it was, it was only a few. And when I started, it was just simple, um, you know, free list of homes, um, you know, click here and I would send them to a simple form. Give me your name, your email address and your phone number, and I'll get this list of homes to you. And I would just follow up with a phone call and, uh, use a, uh, I was a master of scripts, um, and, uh, just kind of use, use words to be able to meet face to face with them. So that's really what the focus was. And it was fast and furious. It was, sell as many homes as possible. The pressure was on. I had a newborn, uh, well, I had a pregnant wife when I got into real estate. Uh, and I was only married for about a little over a year at that point. So we, uh, it was our first child we was born in November of 2007, you know, eight months or six, seven months after I just got into real estate. So you know, it was, it was a pressure cooker trying to keep a new wife happy and, you know, wanting to be with my new baby um, but knowing I had to buckle down and learn how to sell over the phone and then get people to commit to me um, face-to-face and then, you know, go through the process of showing homes and, and getting them under contract. So that was kind of that first, you know, first uh, 18 months or so. It was fast and furious, mostly like 90% buyers, mastering buyers, mastering the scripts, really learning how to sell, quote-unquote, you know, myself to be able to get face-to-face and start a relationship with somebody. What was the key in that conversation? What was the key to converting people from being interested in these homes to wanting to set an appointment with you? It's a good question. I still train my buyer agents on this. It's, it's a little bit more difficult today because there's, there's like so many places buyers can go to to get information now. But if you make uh, a good enough offer, so I just saw each part of the process as um, the first thing is I just had to give them, they had to give me their contact information. So I would offer them something that would get them to take that little step. And then once I would connect to them, uh, with them over the phone or over, over email, and all I had to do was, uh, sell the appointment. So I didn't have to sell them a home yet. I just had to sell them to the next step was agreeing to meet with me face to face. And it was, I, I, I still talk about, you know, if, if I had a gold brick, in, in my office or at a coffee shop and, and I was going to meet with you and just give you this gold brick, you know, when's a good time for you to meet? Can you meet, you know, right this instant, you know, everyone would say, would say yes. So I just always knew that I, I couldn't, I couldn't sell me yet. That was for the next phase. 
um, I just had to sell the gold brick. So, um, you know, at that time and in every, every market, there's, there are good deals, um, in, in, in areas that people are looking for. So just using a script, getting them to sort of say yes to, to different parts of the script. And then the offer is, you know, would it be helpful if I sent you information on all the best deals in that area that you're looking, including off-market properties, any corporate houses or vacant properties, would that be helpful You know, if, if I sent you that list? And people would say yes. Everyone would say yes to that. Okay, when's a good time we can sit down and I can uh, get exactly what you're looking for so I can get you set up on that service? So that was the script. Very, very basic. You know, they're, they're saying yes to what you're offering. And then they'd come up with objections and uh, you'd handle those objections. But for the most part, it's just getting really good at giving them access to something that is proprietary and priority. So making them feel like you've, you're the only person that has the information that they're going to meet with you to get. And then the truth, truth is you do have that information because you have priority access to proprietary information, which is the MLS. Everything else is, is, is an offshoot of the MLS. There's only one true source of, uh, of listings. You know, Zillow even only has about 60% of active listings today. So that's part of the script we use with buyers now today. You know, do you know that you're only seeing about 60% potentially of the properties that are on the market? You're like, no, I'm using, you know, this site or this site. Well, well you know, um, there's a risk that you're missing out on properties. You know, if we can get together for 15 or 20 minutes, you know, we can get you set up. There's no cost whatsoever. There's no obligation to buy a home from us, but we could sit down for 15 minutes. We can, you can come to our office where we meet you at a coffee shop. We'll get you set up on that service. How's that sound? You know, so it's, it's still, we still differentiate ourselves in the scripting um, because 60% of our business, even today comes from people uh, that are strangers to our services. So we, we do a pretty good job of, you know, repeat and referral business but we still have a, a, the majority of our business is coming in from direct response offers, you know, putting out an offer that's non-branded as non-branded as possible and getting people to respond and call into us. Lars, why do you want to meet the people before you go to the first house? Why aren't you jumping out there and just showing them homes? I guess part of that, because a lot of agents in a lot of markets still do that. But for me, Maybe it was become because I came from a professional environment, and um, I, I just knew that I wasn't, I didn't have time to waste with people that couldn't at least commit to being loyal to me. So um, I had a one-page benefit-rich, uh, I called it a loyalty agreement, that I would, when I met with somebody, I would, I would convince them that they, it was worth getting together with me. Typically, I would do it at a coffee shop, so I would make it non-threatening. Let's just get together at a coffee shop. It's 15 minutes. There's no cost. There's no obligation. Um, and we can kind of just get your criteria and we'll get you in the system. And then when we got together, um, I would just go through a loyalty agreement. So I wasn't willing to spend time with somebody that wouldn't at least agree that they would be loyal to me up until the point where I, I, I lost their trust. So I'm going to do a really good job for you. I'm going to work my butt off. And I would say those words. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to work hard to make sure you're happy at the end of this process. The, the only thing I ask for is your loyalty. So I have to know that as I'm working hard for you, that my efforts have a chance of paying off. It doesn't mean you have to buy a home, but I can't have you cheating on me. And if you get to the point where I've, I've lost your trust or I, I don't do a good job, this loyalty agreement is completely cancelable. We have to agree that we're going to try to work together. 
And so it was more just a respect for my own time. I knew my time was valuable. I knew the skill set that I was bringing to the table was really valuable and that there weren't many agents that would treat them as well as I was going to treat them and take as good care of them as I would. So I just had a lot of confidence in that. And at that meeting, it was a different sell. So the only thing I would get face to face and we'd go through their criteria. I said, okay, great. I'm going to get you set up on this, on this service. Um, you know, the state requires that we go through agency. Here's the state brochure. I would flip it over, you know, North Carolina real estate commission. So let me go through a short presentation on how agency works. Um, and then that presentation would <laughs> explain agency in the first two slides. And then in the next 18 slides, would explain the benefits of using me as, as their agent in the, in, in the transaction and why they don't want to do it the way they were doing it. So that was that next step was just for them to sign, not even a state prior agency agreement, just a one-page loyalty agreement. And if the new buyer signs your loyalty agreement at that first meeting, do you also have them sign, say, a, a buyer agency agreement at that time? We don't. At the time of contract, we're, we're required to but we don't do that at that first meeting. So at the first meeting, it's benefit rich. There's nothing scary. It's a cancelable agreement. Uh, we keep it very light. And we just say, listen, um, you know, requires you to go through this. And here are all the other reasons why you'd want to use a buyer agent and why our, uh, why me in particular is, is why I'm the best option for you. And then uh, here's an agreement, you know, that at least lets us know that we're working together toward this common goal of, of getting you happy and getting you into a property we don't have them sign that state agreement until they write an offer. Lars, thanks for walking us through that. Lars, let me back up a minute. You had this fast start. How many homes did you sell last year? Last year, we did uh, 312 homes. And uh, last year, I didn't, I didn't work with clients directly. So, you know, I was able to, to fully leverage myself out of the business. And so true Rainmaker corporate model where I've got, you know, a team that services all of the business, but it was over 300 deals and we'll, we'll do more than we did last year, this year. Our market didn't do a whole bunch more units this year. It was kind of a flat, but we were able to grow this year as well. The 312 closings, do you recall the sales volume? Last year, it was about 72 million. This year, we'll do about 76 million. So, uh, yeah, so about 72, 76 million the last couple of years. Would you mind disclosing what the, the GCI is on that? Last year, I think it was about $2.4 million or so. We charge a little bit higher than an average agent does in my market. And then this year, it'll be slightly higher than this, about $2.6 million or so this year. Do you recall, I mean, it's been a pretty short career, just seven years. Do you recall how many homes you've sold in your career now? I did the calculation before this started. It was about 1,200. At the end of this year, probably about you know, 1,300, 1,400 or so. You mentioned you're in Charlotte, North Carolina. For people that don't know, could you describe where is Charlotte and what the population is there? Yes, yeah, so Charlotte proper is, uh, has a population of about 800,000, 900,000, I think. And then the greater metro, so sort of greater Charlotte, is about 1.5, 1.6. It is, it's a pretty cool area to live in, and we love it. I mean, I moved here from New Jersey, uh, met my wife here, and it's, it's like really midway between the beach. So you're three, three and a half hours to Hilton Head, Myrtle Beach, um, you know, some cool areas at the coast. And then it's 
as close to 90 minutes to, to two hours to, uh, to the mountains. And Asheville is, is beautiful, really close to us, about two and a half hours. We can, three and a half hours, we can get to Gatlinburg, which we do once a year. Um, so it's really a cool position as far as uh, its location. It's uh, about four hours sort of northeast of Atlanta. Um, to give you some, some idea, there's pretty much one road that takes you from Charlotte to Atlanta, 85. Um, so it's just a cool location. As far as you know, ec- the economy goes, there are a lot of sort of mid-sized companies that are headquartered here, small and mid-sized companies. So it's it's still an affordable place for people to live. And uh, I'm not sure about the economic benefits as far as being a business here, but I uh, used to be heavy, heavy on the banks until the meltdown of 2008. Uh, and the lack of dependencies, we're not as dependent anymore. Um, you know, Wells Fargo sort of shifting uh, headquarters out of Charlotte, uh, I think ultimately sort of helped things. But um, it's, a, it's a pretty cool market. I mean, it's got a, a sort of a slower pace than, uh, you know, I lived in New York City for a couple of years, and, but it's got all the good things that a, a city needs. We've got, a, you know, not the best sports teams, but we've got a couple of good sports teams as well. Lars, please describe your current real estate market. Yeah, so in terms of our market, I mean, the average price of the market is, you know, in the 200 uh, to 205 range. Um, we are, this year we'll end up at about two, I think just at about 240, 237, 240. So we're about 15, 20% above the average uh, market. We don't have more than a couple dozen properties in a year sell above 2 million. Um, you know, so our luxury market is, you know, a million, million and a half, and you can get a, you know, eight to 10,000 foot home on, on a couple acres. So the luxury market, it's real affordable to, 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 to live here and, and live in a nice size property. It's a bit of a transient market, so people will move here for an opportunity. Um, but then, you know, four or five years later, they'll have to move out. So I think, I think the national average is probably seven years to stay in a property. I think we're closer to about five years. So that, that helps a little bit as far as turnover of property. Um, depending on the, on the area, you know, so in, you know, 30 minute drive from uptown, you could be in the, in the sticks. It's real fast. You can get away from the city. So, uh, we have average, you know, we have uh, areas that, you know, are, are sort of tougher to sell a resale uh, home because of new construction, you know, outside of town. And then, in sort of core old South Charlotte, you know, there are five, 500, homes um, that are, you know, mid-60s homes, um, you know, updated, but 2,200 square foot homes that will sell very quickly under 30 days. So it's really dependent on the area that you're in. Do you have a niche or a specialization in your market? No, I don't know if it was by design, but I think by the grace of God, I, I didn't niche or focus on a particular area or price point early on in my career. You know, so if you were uh, able to buy or enable and willing and reasonable as a seller, I was going wherever you were buying. So up to 45 minutes away from sort of center city, um, Charlotte was my market when it was just me selling homes. And that's really kind of been the way that we've grown as a team. And so we, as a team, we service all of the greater Charlotte area. So if it's our, our office is pretty close to center city. So if you're a 45 minute drive, you know, if you're a listing or if you're buying within 45 minutes, 
of Center City, which covers most of the metro. You know, maybe not the full 1.6 million of people, but uh, probably 1.2 million. Um, so our market is pretty big as far as you know our ability to even grow you know, into four, five, six hundred sides in the, in the coming years. Um, so I've never really focused on a niche. You know, there are uh, you know when I was still in production, you know the the people that I was sort of uh, more attracted to, and I felt like I could help. Obviously, with people in a similar you know maybe trading up from a small property into um, sort of those move up, uh, you know, family getting bigger sort of thing. But we have a lot of people, empty nesters, selling big homes and moving. We have a, a big retirement community here, Sun City, Del Webb uh, Community, Pulte. You know, so we've, we've really got it all. Lars, I sent you a preliminary form and I asked you, what is the number one reason for your success? In there, you mentioned that it's your focus on four technologies, five marketing pillars, and building systems. Let's talk about that. What are the four technologies that you're using? Yeah, so it's, it's funny. Now that I'm involved in helping other agents sort of achieve the level of success that, that I'm doing, what I notice is that uh, real estate agents are marketed to so heavily by um, people that are selling marketing or technology. And an agent's ability to focus on a handful of technologies and a handful of marketing pillars. That was the reason looking back why I was able to scale my business so quickly is because I wasn't thinking there was the next best, best thing around the corner and I wasn't looking for the next best real estate CRM. So, um, the critical technologies that, um, uh, that I use and my clients use, the first thing is top producer and you can use any CRM, but it's only as good as actually using it. Top producer is one of those things that agents love to hate it. Um, they'd love to complain about it, but it does everything you will need to not only, um, go from a lead to an active client, to under contract, to close, to rating fan. Um, you know, it, it serves as our database. So anytime we want to send out a communication to our past clients or my sphere, that's where we go. We manage all of our listings and top producers, all top producer, all of our closings and all of our lead management. So it's, uh, that's the one, that's the first critical technology. Uh, that's, it's amazing to me when I start with new clients that they don't even have a database. So they may have sold a couple hundred homes in their 10 year career and they don't even have those, those, those 200 contacts somewhere where they can communicate with them regularly. We, we have a 60 touch program that we use. I'll get to that in a second with marketing, but we, we communicate 60 times a year with our past clients in my sphere. Um, so that's the first thing, a real estate CRM. The second technology is some sort of integrated suite of tools. We use Google apps for work. So we have uh, the entire uh, team has, uh, 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 you know, email uh, integrated calendars. We have shared calendars. Um, we have documents that we share, you know, for, in Google Docs. Uh, we have forms that we use for tracking and accountability. All of those things are integrated in Google Apps. So if we're, you know, if if an agent sets a buyer appointment, you know, uh, today, uh, the team is alerted about it. So everybody knows that there's a buyer appointment that's going to happen tomorrow at 2 p.m. And there there are things that happen to make sure that that appointment go, goes the way that it should. So we're having all of that integrated in, into a system. So that's number two. Uh, number three 
is some kind of lead generation platform. So I was actually the sixth customer of Boomtown. Boomtown's a, an internet lead gen platform. I was their sixth client back in the day where there were no other platforms really. It was Realty Generator and Boomtown was the, their, their competitor that sort of knocked them off a little bit. Um, so that's the third thing. I do think if you're going to build a, a legitimate business, having a, a, a steady stream of leads coming in is important. That's number three. And then four is, uh, and I used to have three critical technologies, but this fourth one had become so important to me and my team. Um, it's the ability to track, um, to route, to record, and to get reports on every call that comes into your business. So we use a technology called ifbyphone.com, uh, ifbyphone.com. And um, I have like 32 different phone numbers that we advertise and all the different things that we do. And so I'm able to, to know if what we do works. You know, if you're calling my company, you're calling one of those phone numbers. Every call is tracked. Every call is routed. I can have it ring this phone for 10 seconds, this phone for 10 seconds, ring out to five people at once, and if nobody answers, go to a specific voicemail tailored for that program. So very, very cool from a customer experience standpoint, but our ability to maximize every phone call that comes into the, into the office is, is critically important. So those are the four critical technology that we use. Uh, do you want me to go into the marketing side? You know, I do, but I want to I want to pause here for a minute about the the four different technologies. This last one's very interesting. You're tracking all your phone numbers. You have 32 different phone numbers to create a, a niched experience or a unique experience for each buyer or seller. Do you also have that many websites in case they come to you by the internet? No, that's that's a good point. Most agents are always looking for the next best website as well. So. I've kept things really simple from a web, a website perspective. So I have one website that we send sellers to. It's uh, listwithlars.com. It has probably, probably 15 different website addresses, but they all go to that one site. Uh, listwithlars.com or the Lars Group or Lars Real Estate, they're all the same, same website. Um, that's for sellers, and then we have Boomtown is our buyer site. So we only have two websites. Uh, most agents think you have to have six, seven, eight websites, and you totally dilute your effectiveness by being by trying to think that you need more websites to get more leads. It's just not the truth. You mentioned you have one seller website, but you also mentioned that I think you said fifteen addresses. Do you mean fifteen domain names? And are you using that to track your marketing effectiveness? Yes. Yeah. Yes and no. Um, you know, we definitely use Google Analytics, and we 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 track those different websites. So when I'm um, sending out expired uh, letters, I have a website address that goes to that same website. When I'm doing FISBO letters, I have a, uh, a domain name that goes to that same website. So we do track it, um, but we also source every call. So when we get someone live on the phone, we ask them specifically how they heard of us. And we ask about two or three levels deep on that question. And we just have a lead source uh, document. You know, we use lead source codes that we created. We've got about 15 different lead source codes. So we know if they came from Boomtown or if they came from Yard Sign or if they came from Expired Letter or from one of our past communications. There's only you know about five main things that we do to market. Um, but but we, we, we make sure we ask the questions to know where that appointment came from, to know where that closing came from. 
One more question. You said you use Top Producer and also Google Apps. It sounds like there's going to be some some cross issues there. For instance, there's a calendar in Top Producer. You're using a calendar in Google Apps. Which one do you use and how do you integrate those two? Top Producer actually integrates with Google Apps. So if you want to be a purist and do your entire business in Top Producer, you could do that. There's a little bit, for us, for being a little bit larger team, there's a little bit more flexibility not using the calendar function in Top Producer. So Top Producer, the main functions for us are, it's our database, so we can pull up anyone that has done business with us, anyone that, that's, that's in my sphere. Um, we manage our listings in there, our active listings, the under contract uh, listings. We do all of our buyer closings in there, and we do our lead management, our seller, seller lead management in there. So we're not necessarily using uh, the calendar function in there, although you could. It's, it's a live feed, a live connection to Google Apps. You mentioned there are five marketing pillars. Please describe them. Yeah, so the first marketing pillar is really the first thing I got really, really good at. It's buyer internet leads. So uh, we use Boomtown as a platform, but there's a handful of good platforms now. Uh, the first one's buyer internet leads, and there's a we have systems and I help agents with, you know, how to work those leads properly for maximum return. So we've got a buyer lead management policy that, you know, this is exactly how you work these leads and how you time block your day and, and all those good things. So that's the first one is buyer lead, buyer internet leads. The second one is yard marketing. So most agents will put a single sign in the yard. We have three different signs that we put in the yards of our sellers and, as a result of having three signs, we get 2.5 times the call volume that we used to get before when we had just had one sign. So a buyer gets to the front yard of one of our listings. Typically, this goes back to what I learned early on in my career, typically they don't want to talk to the agent. So if you can give them any other option than the one middle yard sign, we've got an option where they can get the price of the home, they can get 24-7 info on the home, and that's a standalone sign. And then we've got another one where they can set up a showing for the property, and that's another standalone sign. So we've got the main yard sign with two signs flanking it like a T. If you were looked down at it, you've got a T in the yard. The third, let's see where I want to go next here. The third I would call farming. And I lumped into farming expired FISBOs and geographic. So uh, expired, I just consider that another farm. So these are uh, people that have had their home on the market and they failed to sell it. Uh, we do direct response marketing. We send a series of letters and postcards to expireds. They call in. We set up appointments. That does really well for us. FISBO, same thing. A little different approach. You know, they, they, they're telling you they don't want an agent. Um, so a little bit different approach there. We add a lot of value. We send them a package of FISBO marketing toolkit and we do some, some some different things there and then geographic farming so the neighborhood that i live in for example i probably wouldn't have picked my neighborhood as, as the best farm but it works well because i live here and people know me uh, and then we have a broader geographic farm where we sell where we send once a month we send a 12-page color newspaper to um, so that's the third category the fourth the fourth is communicating with people that already know, like, and trust us. So we call it our rating fan club. And I teach my agents how to do this as well. It's asking people that already know, like, and trust you for business. Uh, we have a 60-touch program that we use there. It's a combination of direct mail, 
uh, emails, phone calls, client events, client giveaways, uh, and we do top producer, top producer market snapshots. So most of them obviously own a home, and uh, we give an, an update of the value of their property. So there's 60 touches that we do there. We also do video marketing, two videos, educational videos a month to, 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 to that group. Uh, so that's the fourth category is our rating fan club. The fifth is uh, what we've done on radio, and recently we added a little bit of TV. Um, and there's a very specific formula that they use there. It's very much direct response, call to action, uh, highly um, accountable, those expenses. It's, it's pretty expensive, so not everyone could do radio. Uh, you know, I spend at this point over about 15000 per month on radio. And that's on three, two, two radio stations and uh, one TV uh, spot that we're doing right now. So that's the fifth category. So that's, so that's it. Buyer internet, yard marketing, farming, which is expired FISBOs and geographic, uh, raving fan club, reaching out to people that already know, like, and trust you. And then uh, the fifth one, I often talk about four pillars for most people. The fifth one is usually going to come later, later on when you're selling um, a good amount of real estate when you can afford to invest in something that costs, you know, five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month. Let's dive a little deeper into each one. You mentioned buyer internet leads. You're using Boomtown. If people are not familiar with that system, what services are they providing for you? When a buyer goes online and they search, you know, Charlotte real estate, there's a bunch of agents now competing for those keywords. So you know, depending on how much you're willing to pay for the keyword, they'll throw that person onto whatever site you tell them to, and they'll register on your site. If your site's good enough, it'll register a high enough percentage of people. Our site is at running about 15% of people that visit, register, and give us their contact information. So Boomtown manages that entire process. They provide the technology. They link up directly with my MLS, so all the listings are active and, and live on that site and updated I think it's every few hours now. So it's one of the better sites out there as far as the, uh, the data is, uh, is directly tied to the MLS. Um, and they, they manage the pay-per-click with Google and some other uh, search engines as well. So that's pretty much uh, what they do. And it's, it's a numbers game. So the only way to make those, those really profitable, I, I have a 10 times return on, on that platform, uh, cash on cash return. After I pay my agents, I'm still making 10 times the investment I have in that platform. Um, so it's just really knowing your numbers and, and making sure that your agents are operating against a lead management policy. We have a written lead management policy. It's about six pages long that tells our agents exactly what to do to be successful on that platform. You said you're getting 15% of the people that go to the website are registering of the people that register, if you get 100 people to register, how many people make it to a closing with you? That is our big, our big challenge and our big push for next year. So the best, the best platforms, and this is where it can get a little frustrating if, you, if your mindset isn't, isn't right around these. The best are probably in the 3 to 5% range. So you're paying $10 a lead. In, in, in most markets, um, your best case scenario is that you're doing three to five sales. So you're spending about a thousand bucks to get three to five sales. We're probably somewhere in the one and a half, two percent range, mostly because the platform has been around for so long 
and it generates really more leads than, than we need it to. So um, I'm a little bit hesitant to kind of shut it down, you know, or, or kind of ease off the traffic. Um, so I'm, I'm probably generating to, we're actually in recruiting mode right now. We're looking to hire four more agents to service the amount of leads that we kind of have coming in. We have about, about six, 700 buyer leads coming in every month, which is just too many for the five agents we have right now. If we looked at the, the gross numbers, you said it's costing about $10 per lead. So a hundred leads would be a thousand dollars. But out of that, you're closing one to two transactions at 7,500. So somewhere between 7,500 and, and 15,000. You said you're getting a, a 10 to one return on your money. And that's, that's how that's working out. So you're losing, and, and this is what you just said, you're losing 98 to 99 out of a hundred people, and yet it's still working and it's still profitable. However, that also means it, I assume you're going through a, a lot of legwork to find those people. You described you have a, a six-page manual to describe that system. Could you give us the basic outline for how you're following up with these leads and and finding those one, one and a half, two people out of a hundred? Yeah. So the challenge, taking one step back, the challenge is that. Agents, it's not the most fun thing for agents to do. So when I when I was working that system, I was closing closer to five percent of, of of leads that came in. Very lean and mean. I was running a lot of Craigslist ads, um, and I was working leads, you know, whatever time of day. Uh, the key to getting uh, an internet lead gen system to work is to call early and call often. So as close to the time they register as possible, you have to call them. Uh, less than five minutes, within a minute or two. It doesn't mean you're going to automatically have a relationship and sell them a home quickly, but you've got to get up, get them on the phone when they're at the computer and their phone is right next to them. Um, if you call uh, 30 minutes versus five minutes, you're 100 times less likely to reach them live in 30 minutes versus five minutes. There's a, there's a lead response study, internet lead response study done by MIT if you Google MIT lead response study, you'll see it. Um, and the numbers are, are, are staggering as far as the response time and how much that matters. And then uh, also with a good phone number, um, and about half the leads have good phone numbers, so that's part of it as well, is that a lot of people aren't going to give you good phone numbers. So when you're talking about 100 going down to, you know, two to five people that close, 50 of the 100 aren't even giving you a good phone number. So there's not a lot of effort involved to, involved to figure out 555, you know, it's not a good phone number. So call early, call often. The difference, if you've got a good phone number and you make one dial, you're 37% likely to get that person on the phone. If you make six dials over a period of time, you're 90% likely to get them on the phone. So call early and call at least six times over three, four, five days. Call from multiple phones, um, you know, Call, uh, if they don't answer on the first time you call, call back right again two seconds later. You'll typically get a little bit of a pissed off person because they think it's an emergency type situation. That's the only reason I'll answer my phone if someone calls twice in a row. Um, I'll know that they need to get in touch with me and you just need a little bit of a script to disarm them from being annoyed at you for doing that. But um, then personal emails, you know, if you're not able to get them on the phone, say, hey, this is Lars. You know, I, you know, with Carolina real estate hub.com, I know, um, you know, I've been trying to get in touch with you. I get it. You know, you don't want to be bothered. I'm just want to make sure you got on this side. Okay. 
And that personal short emails, personal emails works really well for us as well. Could you run us through the script of what you would say to one of these leads if you got them on the phone? Yeah, it's been a while, but I will, I'll do my best. So, so I just say, hey, this is Lars with uh, CarolinaRealEstateHub.com. You know, I know you just registered on the site, and I was really uh, reaching out as a customer service call just to make sure you got access to everything okay and, and the site was working out for you. Um, are you are you looking to make a move in the next three to six months? Um, so the goal is to get that intro out plus that first question in the first breath. So you're sort of disarming them a little bit, letting them know you know you're just calling to check in and make sure they got access okay. And then you know you're just asking them, are you looking to make a move? Um, and then we kind of get into questions about you know the home that you're in now. You know, first thing is you know what area and price point you're looking in. Hey, I noticed you're looking at some homes in Matthews you know, in the three to three fifty range. Is that kind of the area and price range that you're looking for? Um, okay, that, the home you're in now, you're renting that property, or do you own that property? Okay, so you guys own. Do you need to sell that home before you buy a home or uh, do you think you'll you'll go ahead and purchase before you sell? Okay, well, um, you know, and then we just kind of go into the um, probably ask another question about their motivation and how they're going about looking at properties. You know, so are you just looking online at this point? Are you, have you been to open houses? How are you going about searching for properties? And then we'll get an idea. Well, you know, maybe I've, I've, I've seen some properties with a few agents, you know, are, are you hundred percent committed to those agents? Or are you open to using other agents as well? If I could find you a good deal in the areas that you're looking in, are you open to, uh, to me bringing those deals to you? And then you sort of start to migrate it to the offer. Well, you know, uh, Mike, it, it sounds like you might benefit from uh, the service we offer. We're, we'll just send you updates on um, all the properties that match your criteria, including, you know, off-market properties for sale by owners, corporate-owned homes, any builder closeouts. Would that be helpful for you as you're kind of getting into the search? Okay, it'd be helpful for you. So um, when's a good time we could sit down for about 15 or 20 minutes and get you set up on that service? Okay, well, I, I could do it over email, but... Um, you know, what we found is that if we can get together for 15 minutes, we can get down your exact criteria, put right in the system and make sure that we're not going to send you a bunch of properties that don't match your criteria or worse off, you know, risk uh, missing out on the perfect property. So there's no cost or obligation or anything like that, but this is proprietary information. You won't get this information from anyone else and the access will give you as priority access. So as soon as the listing hits the market, You'll be, you'll be notified about it when we get you on this 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 uh, this, this system, um, which is a little different than some of the sites that you're searching on right now. They may be updated uh, every 24 hours or every few days, and um, many of these sites don't even have all the listings. Some have as few as 60% of the listings on them. Um, so when what, what works better for you? You know, is tomorrow at 3 p.m. Uh, better? Uh, we can meet at a coffee shop. Um, again, there's no obligation. So that's kind of the the. The, the scripting that we would use. It's non-threatening, no obligation, there's no cost. You know, I just want to get you set up on something that's going to give you a little bit better information, save you time. Um, and typically that works pretty well. Out of 100 leads that come in, how many of those leads make it to an appointment? It's a good question. Let me see if I can answer a different way. We are probably closing... Buyers are squirrely, so the amount of buyers we meet with, we have to meet with more buyers versus sellers to get closing. So if we meet with 10 buyers, we'll sign we'll sign eight or nine to a loyalty agreement, and we'll probably close 
three out of eight. So 35, 40%. Just because of some of them being a little bit flaky, some of them, you know, cheating on us when we ask them not to, um, and just some of them not buying, you know, really that they weren't intent on buying anyways. The hundred that I count, some people take out the bad numbers to start the junk leads. So there's, there's a good 50 plus in there that, you know, you could, you, you very quickly decide that you're not going to spend a lot of time on. Um, you log your call and you send a personal email and you're done with them. Um, so the other 50, that's really, you know, you're looking to close three to five out of 50, which, you know, your numbers are a little bit better. There. There's not that they're not as daunting. You said those are your buyer numbers. You also mentioned you have seller numbers. Would you mind telling us those real quick so we can use them as a comparison? If you had 10 seller appointments, how many would you sign and how many would you close? So we're closing, of the listings that we take, we're closing over 80%, not 90%, but over 80% of the listings we take are closing. And then we probably list anywhere from 70 to 80% of the ones we go on, maybe a little bit less, 60 to 70%. I have the exact numbers. I just don't have them in front of me, but the, 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 the blended for every appointment we go on, we close for, if we go on 10 appointments, we have five closings, four and a half to five closings we have. So that, so, so the, so the two conversion rates there are the number that we actually list and then the number that actually close. So if you took 70% and then 70%, that would be give you 49% actually closed. So the numbers are somewhere in there. For these internet leads, the Boomtown leads, what percentage of your business is coming from Boomtown? It is roughly, roughly about 15% of the business, 15, 20%. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. You also mentioned that you're working on improving your internet lead conversion. What plans do you have to improve the conversion rate? The time I spend in the office, so um, I spend a, you know one day a week in the office. The time I spend in my real estate business, it's uh, working with my operations manager to um, to know the numbers better and do a better job of holding our agents accountable to that lead management policy. So our agents, uh, I mean, I'll say they're like children, and I love my children, so I love my agents. Um, but they need constant reminders of what they need to do to be successful. And we've gotten a little bit away from kind of the fundamentals of time blocking and making sure when you're in your prospecting time block, you're laser focused. Your goal should be to talk to 40 new people this week. So this week you need to talk to 40 people you didn't talk to in the last month. It could be follow-up. It could be people you talked to a month ago, or it could be new leads that come in or sign calls. Um, or people that you talk to in sort of your everyday flow of uh, flow of life. But you got to talk to 40 people every week. That's, that's our goal. 
Your second pillar is yard signs, and you start to go into it, this idea that you have not one but three different yard signs, and by taking that approach, you've multiplied the number of call-ins or the number of leads by two and a half times. Tell us a little bit more about these unique signs that you're placing beside your traditional yard sign. I took a step back from sort of what what we could do, do better to get better quality leads. So we, we love internet leads and we work them and we're going to work them better. We'll probably do, our goal is to do twice as many internet deals next year as we did this year with not spending a single dime more. And we're going to hit it. We're going to focus on it. It's a big push for us. In yard marketing, um, I, I took a step back and I thought about the psychology of a buyer. So knowing that buyers, you know, don't want an agent, why give them the only sign on the yard has a picture of an agent on it where they know if they call that, that sign, they're going to get a person. So we just put up another sign that says 24-7 info, and they call in and they get uh, it's a special script that prompts them to take action if they want the price of the home. When they do that, they're transferred to a live agent. And the script is, uh, is such that person uh, feels like they're in the right place. So they, uh, they transfer and they say, you know, hey, this is uh, Lars with Remax. What home may I price for you today? So the agent, through that if-by-phone technology, knows that that is coming from that yard sign, and they can say, what home may I price for you today? So they're like, oh, great. So I am in the right place. This is great. Um, the other sign is um, it basically it serves two purposes for us. It's it's just telling a buyer looking at it. There's a phone number and it says open house every day, call for times. So be like, okay, great. Uh, this looks like a cool home. I want to see it. I saw pictures online. I came here. I see the sign. I want to uh, I want to take a look at it. So uh, and again, the the person answering the phone, one of our agents or one of our inside salespeople, they'll. Uh, They'll answer the phone that way. They'll say, you know, what what home would you like to schedule a showing for? And that works really well. So, you know, buyers looking at uh, our yard signs, more of them are likely to call because we give them two non-threatening ways or two alternative ways than most agents give them. On the second one, the open house every day, you threw me only right at the end because you said that when they call in, the agent says, what time would you like to schedule a showing? Is that the words that they use or do they state that there are times for the open house? Yeah. So, so the buyer, you're right. It's probably, I mean, I, I, I haven't even ever taken one of those calls, but what do we say? Let's, um, it's, it's probably something more like, you know, Hey, this is Lars with Remax what property would you like to preview? Or it's, it's something along those lines. It's, it's something in, in language that buyer would understand, but the whole point of that intro is for them to realize that it's, it's, a, it's a message, uh, it's a match with what they're doing. So if they just said, hey, this is large with Remax, they'll be like, well, you know, or on the 24-7 info where they're calling for price, if they just said, hey, this is large with Remax, they'd feel like they were sort of being a little bit of a, of a bait and switch. Like, oh, I didn't realize I was going to get a real estate agent. The whole reason I called this sign is because I didn't want to, uh, to call the, the, the sign with the person on it. Um, so it, it's something along those lines where they're, they're just getting, um, they, they know that they're in the right place. The first, the 24-7 info line, sounds like the old IVR systems, an old 1-800 hotline number. Is, is that what it is? 
Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's IVR and, and there's a lot of newer systems coming out, which I don't believe are as effective as the old enter four digit code, um, IVR systems. We use a local number. I don't use an 800 number. I don't know if there's a formal study done, but I want people to think they're, they're, they're local. Um, so we just have a local number and they enter the four digit code and then, uh, uh off they go. We have some special scripting in there. Um, that, that prompts them if they want the price of the property to press one. And uh, we get a 95% transfer rate on the special script we have. So you're giving them information on the property, but not the price. That's the part you're leaving out. And then if they want that price, they press pound or some, some digit on the phone, and that transfers them directly to your agent. And that script made a lot of sense to me. You asked them something along the lines of, what home do you want me to price for you today? I thought that was excellent. What is the script inside the IVR that you're getting them to want to press the pound or whatever to transfer over to the agent? What is that script that you're leaving in the IVR system? What does that recorded message sound like? It says, uh, due to changing market conditions for the current price of this home, press one. I assume that's done after you've given a description of the home? Nope. Right before. Oh, okay. So so that is the message that they're receiving when they dial in? Just that the price is changing because the market's changing? Do you describe the home at all in the message? Yeah, if, if they stay on the line, they'll get the description of the home, but typically that most of them press uh, one at that point. So by giving them this option to get the price right up front, they typically transfer over. If they don't, they'll hear a description of the home and probably have a second chance to transfer at the end of the message? Yes, exactly. We bookend the property description with the, uh, the pricing, press one script. That's great. Did you say that 95% of the people that dial into this number will end up pressing the one to get transferred to an agent? Yep. On the other end, how does the agent know that this is one of the 24-7 info line calls as opposed to a different type of call? Uh, That's through if by phone, so the agents know which phone numbers. We can have it set up as the caller ID come through through if by phone, the tracking we use, or... It can come through as the phone number that, that they called, and they save that in their phone, and they, they know that it's that type of call. Are these signs as tall and as big as your normal yard sign? They're as tall. So the tops of all three signs are, are the same height. They're less wide. So they're 24 tall by 18 wide. And our main yard sign, I think, is 24 tall by 30 wide. And they're on the same size stake, so they all come out at the same height. Uh, but these are only 18 wide versus 30 wide. So when you look at it from above, it does sort of look like a T. You've got the main yard side perpendicular to the road, and then you've got the other two signs sort of flanking the top of that main yard sign, um, but they're parallel to the road. So I assume that means there are no property flyers on the sign. We used to do property flyers, and... We found that the calls, when we went to the three yard signs, we had more calls than we had with uh, the main yard side and property flyers. So a bit of a maintenance hassle, um, but our calls increased and we were talking live to more buyers when we got rid of the property flyers. What is your conversion rate on these yard sign leads? If you get a hundred people to transfer over or to call up for a open house every day. 
How many of those folks will end up meeting with you and then closing? I don't think I have a number on how many actually meet with us. Um, a lot of them turn into showing appointments. Part of it, too, is that on those yard sign calls, it's probably the equivalent of uh, the same thing with the buyer internet leads. We, they're all good phone numbers, right, because we're talking live with them. Um, but half of them probably already have agents that they're committed to. So it's, it's a sifting and sorting and asking the right questions to make sure we're not spending time with people um, so we're, we're kind of a little bit, you know, out of a hundred, we're at 50 that we've got a shot at doing business with, and then probably about 10% will, will close, you know, um, we'll probably get about a hundred, uh, maybe less than that. Uh, that's another huge opportunity for us. Our goal is to double our conversion. The cool thing is that, uh, you know, our agents sell between 40 and 50 homes per year, each of them. And I've got all these inefficiencies, these opportunities to, to do a better job with conversions because we just can't keep up with the lead flow. That's, that's part of it for us is that we've had too many leads for the amount of agents we have. We have anywhere from, you know, about 100 leads per month per agent, which is about three times more than they can handle. You mentioned that when you're in the conversation, you want to quickly identify whether the buyer already has an agent. What question are you asking? How are you identifying that? Are you just asking directly? What kind of phrase or script do you use? Yeah, we don't ask directly. I covered a little bit before. You may not have picked up on it. So we'll just ask, um, you know, so, so tell, me, tell me, Mike, how are you going about searching for properties now? And you'll say, well, you know, I, I kind of have a couple of sites I, I'm, I'm online looking at, and then I kind of drive by properties. And, um, you know, Mike, have you been to any open houses or have you seen the inside of any properties? Well, you know, I've, I guess I've, you know, I had this one agent who's kind of kept in touch with me and I've seen, seen a few properties. You will, you know, Mike, I don't want to step on any toes. Are you a hundred percent committed to working with that agent? Or if, if I can bring you, you know, good opportunities, are you open to working with other agents as well? You know, so you kind of let them take you there and then, and then you don't ask it in a way where, you know, have you signed a buyer agency agreement? Because then they'll know that that's what you want them to do. Lars, what percentage of your business is coming in from your yard signs? It's pretty close. It's probably in that 15 to 20% range. Buyer internet leads is about 15 to 20%. Yard marketing is about 15 to 20%. Fizbo's expired and our farm is about 15 to 20%. Our radio is probably about 15% or so. And then our, our past client, people that know, like, and trust us, probably in that 35, 40% range. And so when you say 15%, about 300 closings, we're talking about 45 closings from each of these pillars, from each of the pillars other than your past clients. That's even higher. The 40% there, that's, that's like 120 closings a year. Let's talk about your next pillar, farming. You have expireds, FISBOs, and geographic farming grouped together. Sounds like you're doing a, a lot of direct mail there. Let's break each one out for just a quick second, if you don't mind. What are you doing to get a hold of expireds? How are you converting expireds? The one thing early on I was real sure of was that I didn't see myself as a, uh, a phone uh, warrior, just, you know, smile and dial you know, we use a little bit of that in my business today, but most of what I do is direct response marketing where I've gotten really good at um, crafting messages uh, in a letters or postcards to get people that I know want to sell their homes to take action and to give me their information, either go to a website or to call me directly. So 
we send out a series of postcards and letters to expireds. So as quickly after they expire as possible to get them a letter in the mail. Um, and then we send out a series over five or six weeks uh, as well. We manage that through Red X. So I've been a Red X subscriber. That's the Red X. So T H E R E D X.com. I've been a Red X subscriber forever, um, over six years now. Probably since the first year of my business, I've been a subscriber. So maybe even seven years now. And so every day we just get the download of all the expireds. Um, we print our, uh, our, our envelopes right from there, our labels right from Red X, and, and they go out and we manage it all in, uh, all in Red X. So that works really well for us. How many pieces do you mail out before you quit? I've done as many as 13 weeks, but we do, we do six weeks now. So we send six pieces over six weeks. Actually ends up being over five weeks because the first piece goes out on day zero. What is the basic message that you have in the postcard or the letter? There's a few things we do. Um, so we promote the fact that you can fire us if you're not happy with us. That's one of the USPs, unique selling propositions we use. Um, our easy exit listing guarantee, we call it. Uh, the second one is that we have this, this you know, 151-step system to sell your home. And we sort of talk about the different steps. And then the biggest USP we use is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll sell your home in 29 days. And if I don't, I'll sell it for free. So I can't get into too much of all of that because it, it'll take a ton of time. But essentially, there's a few conditions to that uh, program. You know, you basically have to be buying another home to qualify. And we have to agree on price. So if you're trading up into a home, uh, there's money for me to make on your buy side. Uh, so if we, we don't sell your home in 29 days, I can afford to, to sell it for free because we're making money on the buy side. So it's just very much, you know, low branded, um, letters that don't have any branding on it. Um, just white paper, black print font. And, uh, and we send those letters out. To clarify, when you agree to sell for free, if you go past the 29 days and they've met all the requirements, what you're doing there is that you're going to do the, the listing side of the commission free and they would still pay the buyer agent side or would you pick up the buyer agent side? No, no. So yeah, so, so it would just be our listing commission would be for free. Your for sale by owner program, is it the same as the expired program or is it different? It's similar. It's a little bit more branded um, and we provide sort of support for them as they have their home on the market. So we know initially that a for sale by owner doesn't want to talk to a real estate agent. So we do a longer period of time. We do eight weeks. Uh, and that we do a little bit better job keeping up with them on the telephone. So we'll call, ask for information on the property. We manage that through top producer. Uh, and we'll send out a, a, a FISBO marketing toolkit where we give them 10 tips to, to sell their home. Most of the tips sort of lead them to a bit of overwhelm. Um, so it's kind of designed, we'll send out a 151 step or max payoff guide, some things about our team that are sort of educational, but they're also selling us. Um, and then we just keep up with them, uh, similar style letters, you know, uh, very, uh, USP direct response oriented, you know, asking them to call us, go to this website for help, that sort of thing. You also mentioned you have geographic farming. You started in your own neighborhood. You've branched out to others. How many homes are in your geographic farm? And that was probably the last thing. So that's the one thing I wouldn't recommend for most uh, most agents. 
unless it's your neighborhood and it's a small farm, you know, there's probably 400 homes in the neighborhood I live in for years, for three years or so. I, all I sent out was a, a postcard, jumbo postcard, less than, you know, 50 cents delivered, you know, including production. So that was a couple hundred bucks a month. There's no real risk there. Now we do a 10,000 uh, home farm in South Charlotte. Um, and it's a 12 page color newspaper. And it's, uh, it's a very, very impressive piece, but it's a long term play. Like year one will be a loss. Um, we have some, some people advertising in the newspaper, so it offsets some of the costs. Um, but it's, uh, it's something that five, six years from now, I'll be glad I did. Uh, but in years one, two, and three, it's a scratch your head kind of thing, wondering where the money is. Are you producing that newspaper in-house, or are you doing that through another company, an outside company? Yep, we use an outside company, Discover Pubs, to do that. And you said it's a, a newspaper or a magazine or a newsletter. What, which one is it? It's a newspaper. Full-color newspaper. Yeah, no, it, it's an awesome piece. Inside that newspaper, are you advertising, what, your listings, your services, your offers, statistics on the neighborhood? What's, what's in that newspaper? We make uh, very much like Dan Kennedy-style direct response marketing-type editorial ads where, you know, if you're thinking of selling your home, you know, avoid these seven mistakes for a free report on, you know, seven mistakes to avoid as a home seller. Give us a call or, you know, uh, go to this website sort of thing. Um, and then we, if, if you're thinking of selling your home, you know, for a free online home evaluation, go to this website, uh, very much those types of offers. Um, you know, if you're thinking of purchasing a home, you know, the ultimate property search engine, visit Carolina real estate hub.com. So, uh, very much like if you're thinking of buying or selling and you've been getting a newspaper for, you know, six, 12 months, uh, you're going to know that those offers are in there. So that's the whole the whole rationale, because the 10,000 homes, um, you know, I have no idea who's going to sell in the next year, two or three. Um, so it's, it's not a, not as much targeted as expired and FISBOs, but there's still over time that, that, that will be a, a very profitable pillar for us. How much is that costing you to send out 10,000 newspapers per month? It is, uh, delivered at that, at that volume, it's 54 cents, um, produced and, and delivered. So it's about $5,400 per month. And uh, like I said, we have some advertisers offsetting that, um, but it's an amazing accomplishment that they can get that thing delivered to someone's front door in the mailbox, not sort of with the junk mail, um, but in the mailbox uh, delivered uh, to 10,000 homes for 54 cents per home. I'd like to talk about your raving fan club, Sounds like these are your past clients and your sphere of influence. You're getting 40% of your business from that. How are you doing that? How are you getting these people to repeat and refer? So it's a combination of about, we do five different things within uh, the Raving Fan Club. And it's a 60-touch um, process. Over the course of the year, our, our list, that Raving Fan Club uh, contact type and top producer, it's about almost 1300 people uh, that are sort of core that haven't moved out of the market that, you know, that we want to keep in touch with. They'll get two educational videos every month. I do that through get viral G E T V Y R A L.com. Frank Clezit's awesome company. 
So that's 24 touches, two per month, times 12 months, 24 touches. Then we do top producer market snapshots. So we know their address, we know their email address, the, you know how big their home is. We'll send them out actives under contracts and sold, similar to the property that they live in. So once a month, they'll get an update on the, on the uh, market, immediate market around them, what's going on. Uh, so that's another 12 touches. Uh, the, the monthly direct mail piece, so I send that same 12-page color newspaper to that rating fan club contact type list. It's a little bit more expensive when you provide the list, but it's still under a dollar per copy that we get those delivered. It's about 75 cents, I think. So that's another 12 touches. Then we do two giveaways. We call them client giveaways every year. One is around Valentine's Day. It's a box of chocolates. And one is around Thanksgiving, and we give out pies. And so for each of those two client giveaways, we send out two postcards, and we make a phone call. Um, so we just uh, let them know about it and how they can get their pie or their chocolate. We'll deliver them. They can come pick them, pick them up. And we do a wine night, wine and cheese night around both of those. Um, so each of those have a phone call and a postcard. So that's six additional touches on top of the 48. So that's 54. And then we do two client events. We do a baseball game in the spring, and we do a fall pumpkin fest type event in, at a local farm in the fall. Same deal. We do two postcards, um, and we call around those. So there's two more calls and four postcards. So that's an additional six on top of the 54. So that's the 60 touch program. Cool thing is, it's uh, we we decided uh, up front that you know really uh, it, it doesn't change. So there's no guesswork. What what happens with our marketing? How we communicate? Um, so we don't have to have a bunch of staff. I don't have a marketing person on staff to coordinate it. It's basically, for the most part, technology-driven or outsourced. You know, I record my two videos every month. It takes me about a half hour with my success coach at Viral, and uh, and and off it goes. And it's uh, it doesn't require any, you know, personal touch from me outside of the videos. Um, you know, we have people we pay people to make those calls around the giveaways and the client events, and they just say, "Hey, Lars wanted me to call to see if you wanted a, an apple pie or a pumpkin pie." Um, you know, so still very personal, but it's a systematic way to, to communicate. Most agents don't set up the systems to communicate with people that know, like, and trust them. So this is just a systematic way to do it. Lars, what I'd like to do at this point is talk about your team. Could you please describe your team to us? Yeah, sure. So uh, one of the things I, I, I really pride myself on is building the team and building the business um, based on systems so I don't have to have a lot of agents and I don't have to have a lot of staff members due to inefficiencies. Most teams have a lot of inefficiencies and they have a lot of bodies sort of not as coordinated as they could be and a lot of agents selling, you know, a dozen homes a year or 15 homes per year. Our average agent will sell 40 to 50 homes per year. Um, So we have our admin staff. There are three full-time, one uh, part-time local, and then one VA, uh, one virtual assistant in the Philippines. Um, and so we've got and my operations manager. She kind of handles the, um, you know, making sure the buy side and the listing side, those funnels, those systems, the buyer system and the listing system run smoothly. Uh, if she has to jump into a client issue, she will. An agent issue or performance issue, she'll jump in and do those things. She has a, a buyer client care coordinator and a listing client care coordinator. 
um, that handle from the contract to closing. On the listing side, they, the, the listing client care person handles it all the way from taking the listing all the way through to getting under contract, through repair negotiations, all the way through closing with the help of the agent, of course. Uh, and then the buyer client care coordinator handles it from contract to closing. So there's the operations manager, the buyer client care coordinator, the listing client care coordinator, and then there's, uh, we call her the executive services manager, where she handles paying files, getting the agents paid, making sure the money gets in the bank. She coordinates all of the marketing. So even though she's not creating original marketing, she's coordinating market snapshots. She's coordinating viral with the videos. She's coordinating the monthly direct mail. She coordinates both giveaways. She coordinates the postcards and the calls. She coordinates the both uh, client events, the calls and the postcards. So she handles that as well. And then that's the, the, the main admin staff. There's four of them, and one of them is part-time. And then we have a, a virtual assistant in the Philippines uh, through myoutdesk.com that backs up our listing client care coordinator. And he's been with us for almost four years. He's uh, amazing. And he uh, does all of the automated tasks involved in listing homes. So he gets on different websites and makes sure our listings look okay, uploads pictures and orders home warranties and does weekly seller reports and does our listing syndication. And, and so that's the kind of staff that we have, which is a pretty lean staff uh, for the amount of transactions that we do. Uh, then, then we go to our sales uh, team. So we have uh, seven outside sales people. So these are people that are out with clients, uh, out in the car, out listing homes. We have of the seven, there's five buyer specialists and two listing specialists. And then we have two inside salespeople. So one is doing buyer inside sales. So they're setting appointments for our buyer agents, uh, in addition to the agents uh, doing their own uh, appointment setting. And then we have one inside salesperson focus on, focusing on listing appointments, setting listing appointments. So two inside sales, seven outside sales, five of which are buyer agents, two of which are listing agents, um, an operations manager, a listing client care coordinator, buyer client care coordinator, and the executive services manager, and then a listing, um, I guess you call listing coordinator that, that, that works, who's a VA. And that's pretty much the team. We're, we've definitely got the awesome problem of having too many opportunities on the buy side, so we're actively recruiting um, to get to eight to ten agents on the buy side. So we'll still keep two agents, two listing agents. They can do you know, the bulk of the listing business, they can sell, you know, 175, 200 homes between the two of them um, as we ramp up the listing side, but then getting more buyer agents on board. What do you do for the team? So I, I kind of steer the ship. I run our weekly, uh, we have about four meetings as a team uh, every week, and I run those uh, four meetings. So uh, on Tuesday, I'll go in and uh, run the listing appointment review. So all the listing appointments we had last week, we'll go over everyone in detail, what happened, what went well, if you signed them, what commissions did you get, you got a good price, any challenges or obstacles or things we need to sort of hash out and help you with. Uh, then we'll do an active listing review. So we'll go over, I go over every listing we have uh, in the status and the challenges, if we're getting showings, if we're not getting showings, uh, if we have offers, um, those sorts of things, uh, any marker reviews that we need to do to get the homes priced better, more attractive to buyers. Uh, then we do a buyer agent meeting. So I meet with the buyer agents 
and we go over their their activities from last week, what's working well, what's not working well, challenges they're having. We go over their pipeline, their current pipeline of A buyers, their, their ready now buyers. Um, we go over, uh, we, we're high on tracking and accountability, so we go over the weekly accountability tracker. Uh, every week they present it to the team, what they did. And then we have a team meeting right after that. So that's more of a sales meeting, high energy, um, high impact, you know, very positive focus to that meeting. We talk about our wins, any rating fan stories, people that have given us testimonials. Uh, if you had closings, we do a special sort of thing for, you know, closings to kind of celebrate closings. Uh, we pray as a team, which is really cool. I made a prayer. And then from there, I'll have a couple um, I'll do some one-on-ones. I'll meet with some agents. I'll meet with my operations manager. I'll meet with my uh, main. Our big focus for next year is to sell 200 listings. That's kind of like our one thing, like the Keller Williams book. Um, our one thing next year is to sell 200 listings. And so I'll meet with our main engine there, which is our seller inside salesperson, to make sure that everything is going smoothly in, in her world. Um, and then I'll, I'll do recruiting, you know, so we'll, we'll interview agents if they get past a certain point, uh, I'll meet with them to see if they're, uh, worth keeping, you know, worth kind of pursuing the process with. And then I still run the fan finances of the company. So I do payroll and make sure we've got money where we need it, those sorts of things. But it's, uh, it's more like a chief marketing officer, chief financial officer, chief executive offer to officer type position. Could you tell us a little bit about how you're compensating your folks? Yeah, so the the, the biggest thing that I see when I when I work with uh, even agents that are just early on in the process of, of starting a team, or if they've got a small team, fundamentally, team the breakdown in um, in in an agent's ability to, to really build a, a team that's a true business, one that they don't have to be involved in production to get themselves paid, is the compensation structure that's set up. So most agents get busy and they think, let me just bring on an agent. And, and even if I give them 60 or 70%, it's better than nothing because I can't get all, can get to all the business as it is. Um, the, the problem is though, is when you look at your margins, you don't have enough money left over to really deliver a unique client experience. So you need, you can't pay out 70% if you want to have any money left over you know, for uh, making sure your clients get a good experience and then have profit. Otherwise, you're just going to be in production forever, and the only way you'll get paid is if you're selling homes. So our compensation structure for agents, on the buy side, it's uh, I call it value-based commissions. So the value, who's bringing the value of the client? You know, if it's my relationship, it's a best friend of mine that's going to go buy a home. I don't work with clients. So uh, if I give that to an agent or the team gives it to an agent, um, that's paid at a 30% split. Uh, so that's the, the lowest split that we pay on the buy side. And then if it's their sphere, they're paid at 60%. And if it's a team lead that they convert, it's 50%. And if it's an appointment that our inside sales set, it's 40%. So 30% to give me 40% for inside sales, 50% is a, a lead that they convert, and 60% is their sphere. It has nothing to do with the team. On the listing side, we pay 25% for appointments that we set, and they get 35% on their sphere. And having it set up that way allows us to have um, gross margins. So after we pay our agents, our gross margins are in the 65 to 67% range, depending on the mix of listings and buyers, which is really where you need to be 
if you're going to truly, truly have any shot at building uh, a true business. Most teams, when I, when I start working with them, they probably have about a 20% delta on that one number, the gross margin number. So they're paying out 20% more than I am. And they're doing it because they don't have the systems in place to, to get their agents productive for you know 90% of their working hours. So agents on most teams will sell 20 homes per year and they ha- you have to overpay them so they can hit the numbers, the financial numbers they want to hit to make the kind of money that they want to make. We have agents selling twice the amount of homes, making a whole lot more money, but it's not because we're giving away too much, too much margin. So that's how we set up the compensation structure. For inside sales, we've got you know, more of a uh, smaller base. It's about 40% base, 60% bonus. Typically, we'll pay about 24,000 base and 5% of closing the closing commission. So they get paid a small base, 2000 a month base and, and a 5% of the transaction closes. Lars, are you profitable? Yeah. So I, so I, I just touched on it. And so the way that I've set up uh, the business, um, I was clear coming into it. Real estate is a tough business. You know, there are really good agents that sell 15, 20 homes per year. Um, that they do a good job for their clients, but they're doing it all. Um, and they're working on evenings and weekends and, and all those things. So there's two reasons I set up the way that it did. I knew that I could provide a crazy amount of value to agents and get them paid, highly paid for, for, the, for the value they bring to a transaction. So all my agents make more than six figures, which is really good pay. In my market, only less than 10%, about 5% of real estate agents in my market net more than 100000 so everyone, 100% of my agents net, uh, net more than 100000 So I'm still able to pay my agents, but retain uh, enough of the commission check where the profits are, are pretty good. So a typical team will profit in the 10 to 15% range. So if they have a million dollar uh, gross commission coming in, the team leader will make 100 to 150. Uh, if they're in production, they'll probably make more. But in order to make good money, they need to stay in production. Um, so my agents are making really, really good money, and there's 66% right now left over to pay expenses, which is about uh, 34%, 36%. As it turned out this year, we came a little bit shy of our projections this year, so we weren't as profitable. But there's about 30 depending on how it shakes out here the last month, uh, it'll be anywhere from 28 to 32% um, that I'll split with the government. <laughs> Your silent partner. Yeah, exactly. Lars, what drives you? Um, I'm, I'm a man of faith. So uh, that's kind of the, the God is giving me gifts um, in business and uh, competitive spirit and the ability to to put things together and in a way that I can uh, just do really well financially. And um, in doing that, I, I'm able to bless a lot of people. Um, and so being able to give a lot of, uh, a lot of money away and, and, and bless my church and different organizations. Um, that's kind of the, 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 the one of the big factors. Um, but really, really it comes down to building a life for my family that I certainly didn't have uh, growing up, you know, uh, divorced when I was four of my parents. My dad was an active alcoholic till I was 15 and just very unstable upbringing. Mom worked six days a week and was a business owner. 
Um, so just building out a life for my family that like is beyond our wildest dreams. That's the biggest motivator. Lars, why have you been so successful? I think it's along those same lines. I mean, it's, uh, I've, I've always been a kind of thinker that, well, if everyone's doing it that way, you know, there's gotta be a different way. So when everyone, when I was like in a perfect position to go straight to the top of a multi-billion dollar public company. Um, you know, I was like, man, I don't know. There's gotta be a better way than this because traveling and uprooting my family and, you know, having to be, be away for, you know, of 200 working days, probably having to be away, you know, 120 working days, uh, on an airplane in the hotels, um, and all the unhealthy things that come along with that. I've always been a, a, that way of thinking, like there's got to be a different way that we can just kind of go against the grain. You know, when everyone's zigging, you know, I can zag. Um, so I, I think that's been a big motivator is just to build this life that is like pure time and financial freedom. I mean, that, that is my goal is to have pure, to have no appointments. You know, I'd never have to set my alarm for my family too. So we're actually designing my kids' lives. I've got a four and a seven-year-old. We're designing our lives around not having to go the, 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 the route everyone else goes. Everyone else is going to public school and their kid is on a bus at 6 a.m. at age seven. How can we design our life differently where we can keep our kids home and, you know, bring some of the learning to them and, and decide what activities they're going to do? So I think it's just designing, you know, living a life by design more than anything else. Lars, I believe you have a coaching program. Could you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's really the, the focus, the, the thrust now of, of what's driving me, you know. When I look back over, over my real estate career and I connect the dots, it is, it's not a straight line. You know, so I've, I've been able to achieve this really cool business that serves me, serves my family, serves my agents, my staff, our clients. Really, really awesome. Systematically increases my net worth every month. Um, but it wasn't a straight line. And there were struggles. And, you know, I had, I had times where I watched a lot of money go out of my bank accounts with nothing to show for it and making bad decisions on chasing different things and having to learn the hard way that there's only a few things that really work in real estate and you just got to stick with them. Um, so I put together a, a program. Um, I've spent $400,000 on uh, training and coaching in the real estate industry and outside of the real estate industry. I've done everything you could do with Tony Robbins and a bunch of the, uh, the up-and-coming sort of Tony Robbins-like guys in the industry. I've got an MBA from Duke. So I put together a program that combines the systems part of real estate um, with all the cool, sexy stuff around lead gen and lead conversion, how to do do that stuff well, um, the presentations and all that. Um, but really, what's the underlying business framework that you need in order to um, to build up your buyer side business to build up your listing side business in a way that you can plug anyone into the system. So I've got great agents, but I don't fear losing any of my agents because if someone leaves, I can replace them because it's systems driven. So my goal working with clients is to, is to help them build a system so they can scale their business and exit production and run the business or have someone in my case, run it for you. Uh, and so that's the focus of the program. It's called high performance coaching. 
uh, and it's a uh, it's a process by which we kind of assess where you're at. I work with big teams. I work with newer agents with smaller teams. As long as you have a desire to build a true business that serves you, um, you know I have the path to get you there. And it's systems driven. Everything I use in my business is provided. A lot of the mindset training uh, or shifting that you'll need to do and the leadership training to be able to build a team and inspire and list other people to follow you is, is part of it as well. And it's just a combination of one-on-one um, interactions with me personally. You know, I don't have a bunch of junior coaches like most of these companies have. Uh, it's very much an intimate get into your what you want out of your business and how that fits into your life and uh, to give you those systems and tools and strategies to help you uh, build it. And we do two live workshops, intensive workshops every year. We just had one uh, about a month ago and we have our next one in April. Um, so it's, uh, it's a really, really cool program. I'm really proud of it. If anyone on this, uh, listening to this uh, interview, you know, has an interest in kind of what I just described there, building out systems and, and kind of leveraging yourself and not having to do the bulk of, uh, of the transactions and, you know, the cool thing is you kind of get your life work balance in check. You know, you can work, you know, as little as one day like me. Most people kind of don't want that. Most people want to go to work every day. Um, but uh, you could just jump on the phone with me for a quick chat. You know, Lars Strategy Session, L-A-R-S, strategysession.com. It's a quick questionnaire, and we'll jump on the phone, and we'll have a chat. It'll be a value to you, you know, if we decide we're not a good fit. Um, but, uh, you know, what I provide is unique and it's, it's very directed to someone that really wants to build a true business. Lars, if you were going to advise a brand new agent, just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I think that the, the risk that most new agents run is that they think they need to get their name out there, quote unquote, well, let me get my name out there, you know, and, uh, it's a, it's an alarming rate of dropouts uh, within year one of people that renew because they're focusing on like talking to their sphere or you know trying to brand themselves in an industry where there's like thousands of real estate agents trying to brand themselves. It's just find a steady sh- flow of of leads, people that you can just talk to, and focus on having conversations with people about buying and selling real estate and track those activities. You can have an easier time breaking into the buy side to start. Um, a lot of these coaching programs say go after listings, 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 but it's, it's a hard way to start and it's very expensive. So focus on buyers first. There's lots of different sources of buyer leads and just get really good at having those conversations. Sell the appointment, sell the gold brick at the appointment, get their loyalty and then show them that you're going to do a good job and just do that over and over and over. Lars, do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with mastermind agent are valuable? Absolutely. Uh, they're helpful. There's a risky side of it too. So um, one of the things I help agents sort of navigate is that there are so many things you can do to be successful, but not everybody you listen to uh, has a profitable business that's, that's truly leveraged. Um, so, Tracking is a big part of what you're going to do. If you try anything that you hear on any of these calls, it's important that you you really lead with revenue and make sure you're making money before you spend more money. So hold all of your expenses accountable and make sure you go deep, you know, on just a few things. Like 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 I have four things that I do really really well, and I go very deep on, and I make a lot of money on on a few things. Most agents just spread themselves too thin. Lars, we've come to the 
end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, real estate is, I touched on it a little bit before, real estate is a tough business. You know, we're involved in something so intimate with our clients, buying or selling a home, and we really, unfortunately, see a lot of the ugly sides of our clients. So it's tough in that you're always wrapped up into the drama of the deal and your clients' lives, and a lot of it's sort of irrational behavior. So, um, you know, it takes a lot to sort of keep going through that. And for me, it was necessary to find a different way to do it. So my advice really is just to, even if you're doing well, sort of you think you're doing well, continue to look for different ways of doing things. You know, it really is possible to build a business that you don't have to be involved in that daily drama of transactions. So, um, you know, open your mind to the possibilities of, of really what is available for us in real estate because the margins are very, very good. So it is possible to build a business in real estate. Well, Lars, you've built an admirable business, one based on a focused plan, managed by straightforward systems and executed by a well-organized team. You've showed us your four critical technologies and five marketing pillars. You've outlined how to maintain a high profit margin while your agents earn six-figure paychecks by keeping efficiency high and tracking all costs. Best of all, you reviewed how you achieved a seven-figure, seventh-level business by your seventh year in real estate. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 120 homes last year worth $30 million and has sold a half a billion dollars worth of real estate in his career. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.